Hello, I'm Andrea Tabchar, a college public relations professor based in Toronto. My goal for my podcast is to interview PR practitioners with interesting stories to tell, and I wanted to share those with my students. I've decided to call it PR Delivered. You're doing this because it's a good thing, because it positions you, even if you don't get coverage. It positions your company as transparent, a leader, um, bold, and you know what? Plain old simple neighborly. Mm -hmm. Don't you want to be neighborly? relations students across the country have been learning how to write press releases for decades now. Almost from day one in their writing courses, they learn how to craft a dynamic lead rather than simply stating an announcement. They're urged to write quotes that contain real insight, and their writing is expected to adhere to the industry standard, the Canadian Press Stylebook. Yet, a quick Google search reveals years of debate over the health of the press release. Assertions of its death can be found across many headlines in business articles, PR newsletters, and blogs. So where do we stand as an industry? Should we continue to teach press release writing? Is it still a thing? And it would be a short podcast if the answer was no. Torquia Communications Managing Director Daniel Torquia spoke recently at the 2021 DX3 Conference for Retailers and Marketers sharing a presentation entitled, The Death of the Press Release, Truth or Misinformed? I reached out to Danny to get his thoughts on the press release debate. Welcome, Danny. Thank you, Andrea. It's nice to be here. Great, great to have you. Um, why don't we get started with, uh, with our first question? You're a veteran PR practitioner and have, has seen the impact of social media and changing media relations practices on the press release. What's your take on the veracity of the press release? Is it really dead? Well, you know what? I actually started my uh, my remarks at the uh, DX3 conference by asking the participants to think about their worldview. You know, what is their view of the world? And, and that includes, of course, we're talking communications. We're talking very much about the role of an organization and the status of an organization in our society. We in Canada have a have a we're guided by a worldview, and every one of us Canadians are guided by a worldview. And what is it that what is it that we want and expect out of our neighbors that are corporations or our neighbors that are big institutions, a hospital, a school system, a, a politi politician? So I think we first need to understand what is our worldview, and and then let that guide us and guide what kind of communications we would encourage out of our neighbors. In this case, organizations, and so. You know, my approach in that conference was to let people think. Um, I think that they will arrive at the conclusions. So I'm going to give you, you know, the, the straight answer here is that the press release actually is dead in some circles, but it's a sad state of affairs because it really is more important today than ever. Good point. Yeah. So, I mean, and we're learning about it, but when we learn how to write, yes, we, we could talk, Andrea, about Canadian press, associated press writing. Of course, we can talk about the rise of social media and citizen journalism and obviously misinformation, right? Mis and shrinking, 
Spring King newsrooms. But one of the things I want to sh share, which might surprise you, is that you know my parents were born in Egypt, and I love Egypt, but Egypt's not really known to have a free and democratic uh, journalism, uh, you know, state of journalism. There, we all know Mohammed Fami and other uh, people who have been um, incarcerated or put in jail in places like Cairo or Baghdad. Um, and frankly, do we want to um, be part of a country where journalism is thriving or thwarted? And and those of us who are in the know, Andrea, would know that if you want to have good journalists, good journalism, you need to have good, solid communications professionals out there. They go hand that's in a great hand. Point. They go, that's a great point. And you need to build trust, right? And this is another way to, to do that. So yeah. Well, and, and I know we'll talk about the Edelman barometer or, you know, trust, but yeah, I think you discussed it. We discussed it another er day and time where people are putting more and more trust in corporations or institutions or government. And, you know, that's, you know, that might be good. That might be, we need to be cautious too, but certainly then those organizations need to be encouraged, hopefully by a PR person to communicate and not just communicate the hunky dory, everything is good here releases. But also mm -hmm. the the oops we've we've messed up here and there's a there's an oil spill yeah. or oops we've messed up and we're being sued by a class action lawsuit and here's our position, you know I think we all have a stake in that and that's where the press release comes into play. So it's still it's still working. Um, the PR industry is embracing uh, the peso model of developing paid, earned, shared, and owned media content for a fully integrated campaign. What do you see as the role of the press release in this model? Is it still a method of earning content? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, what I like to say is that the, the press release should be the, in my opinion, the anchor, the main starting point. Why? Because it's going to be written in a very unbiased, hopefully in an objective way. Uh, by what I call the resident journalist, which would be us, which, we, which, which would be the communication specialist in-house, whether it's in-house or an agency or, or a freelancer, besides the point. The, the reality is that something happens, whether it's a five, you know, five alarm fire or good news, we're launching trans fat free French fries or a joint venture in China, whatever it is that you're announcing, um, you might as well have a journalistic mind write about it the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and at least you have it for, for posterity. From that point on, you can then create paid, uh, you know, and part of an advertising campaign, brand or institutional. From there, you can share it with industry, with stakeholders, with customers through an email blast. And from there, you can post it on your uh, social media sites or um, share it at large with media through the wire services, through your email services. Um, but you see, it starts with a really good press release that does the job of a journalist. Um, and knowing that there's fewer and fewer journalists out there, I just don't see why, I don't see any negatives to why we shouldn't foster uh, a resurgent, a, re a renaissance of proper journalistic writing. But I mean proper, right? You, you can't have self-aggrandizing superlatives in a press release. You can't have complete mismanagement of quotes and tense and, and CP style and throw that, no, then you're gonna really, you know, really tr cause trouble. But if you adhere to the right standards of journalism, bring them into the company, it's gonna help your paid, your shared, your earned. And you said it a few minutes ago, it, it, it's healthy, the press release. I can speak from our experience, we're doing very well and we're not lamenting and complaining the demise of the press release, it's working. 
There you go. That's, uh, you know, and, and that's an important message to hear for our students to hear, right? That this is a, yeah. a skill they need to be developing. So let's drill down a little bit more. How do you develop your strategy for writing a press release? Well, the, the first thing is you have to, I like using funny words that people will remember. Before you get into the successful groove of writing press releases, and I'm not talking here about a one-off, but the first thing you want to do is append yourself to the client like an appendage, like a key element to their body. I, you know, uh, uh, grafting, I think it's the term in, in, in gardening. You've got to really get together <laughs> mm -hmm. with your client to become um, their consultant. So earn their trust so that they tell you when things go bad and when they tell you in advance when things go well. Now, when you have that trust and you're being fed news, all news, good and bad, then you're in a good spot. So that takes some time. Now, our strategy... The first one I have to share is why don't we start with the default strategy of mimicking reality? I mean, that's a really simple strategy, but it's not being said enough. Before the concocted plans, Machiavellian plans of what time, what day, when, what's the context, let's just start off with when did the news happen? Because certainly we can all agree that announcing a news item three weeks later is really not a standard default best practice. That's number one. So mimic reality is a good one to, to, to use as a general rule of thumb. The other one is to say, yes, we have to be cognizant of media, uh, the, the, psych, the news cycle. So, okay, sure, we might not want to issue a press release at 4 p.m. on a Friday, but that's just human nature. we got to know human nature, just like you wouldn't want to issue a press release um, the day that something really bad happens in world affairs or something at City Hall um, that commands the attention of majority of newsrooms, you probably want, wouldn't, do, wouldn't do you bad harm to wait a day. But normally speaking, stick with the, the actual cycle of news. Um, but so the strategy then is we, we determine, you know, who are going to be the spokespersons, what is going to be the key angles that we're communicating, um, and, and then what is the menu offering we can offer journalists? Because it's not just a comment or a quote but it is access to a spokesperson, yes or no, access to a third party or partner, yes or no, um, details like uh, statistics, sales figures, uh, market knowledge, uh, research that we have. These are all things you gotta ask and try to put that into your strategy. Um, but then, then at the end of the day, you know, we, we could talk about a distribution channel strategy later because that's another topic, but it takes some planning for sure. But the idea to sit down and write something, you can do it right away. Because you don't have to issue it right away. We got to make, 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 make people understand that we can write right away, but then we meditate on it with the boss or the client and then make a concerted decision. So that brings us to the next question, which is what are some of the client challenges? I mean, you work, uh, for, you have an agency um, and you are working with clients on these projects. So what are some of those client challenges that might you know, stop this being a smooth process. Yeah. Well, you know what? There, there is two things that come to mind. One is an excessive legal, an excessive legally minded culture is not going to do us any good. Um, and I'm sorry to say that. I hope there's some lawyers out there who can email me and say, no, we're good. We, we get it. But, but, but excessive use of trademarks and registration, and, and we have the copyright on this word, it doesn't have any place in journalism. It doesn't have any place in journalism. Um, and, and being um, no comment or this is, while well, this is in front of the courts, we can't speak. 
that we have to pass, get past that and realize we're talking about the long-term reputation of an organization. We're not talking about, um, we can avoid minutia from a legal perspective, but we've got to communicate because certainly not communicating is the worst form of communication. So we got to fight the legal uh, cultural in our clients. The other thing is this tendency of, I don't want to even touch bad news. You know, there's there are companies in our client roster and outside that the, the client has a huge disdain for negative news. Well, negative news is negative news. It's it exists, and if you if you're better off um, taking control of the negative news before the spin or the um, hyperbole or gossip rumor mill takes effect. So, you know, we have to fight. Those are some challenges when clients don't want to share the full Monty because it could be negative. Uh, and the other thing is, is clients often think their news is not newsworthy. And, and so we have a way, Andrea, of sharing with them, you know, it doesn't need to be newsworthy. If it doesn't get ink or airtime, don't worry. It's better to do the right thing. Put your CSR hat, you know, corporate social responsibility hat. So we got to go out at a different route, even if they, if they think it's not going to get any ink or airtime, because sometimes it doesn't but at least it's good for them to practice the, the act of communications. But challenges are abound, so there's thousands of challenges. I, uh, I can only imagine, and I think you've just skimmed the surface of that. Our yeah. um, students grown over the required use of CP style, which is something you've already mentioned. They're struggling to learn when you capitalize a title, spell out a number, or when to use an acronym. How important is CP style in your work? At our firm, at Torquia Communications, we we uh, we treat it almost in a sacrosanct way. Um, it, it's it's it, we've got to respect it. In fact, you're you're looking, you're talking to the the person at the firm who reviews the releases with the CP style. Because I was blessed, you know, I worked with my father and his ilk, his generation, and I worked with a lot of people who who almost wrote the book um, with the original authors. And we care about. It. I think it's very important because. The moment you give a journalist a reason to think it's not worthy or it's not well written, well, they've got lots of other choices from other sources. Um, and you're not doing yourself a favor if you give give obstacles, you know, offer extra challenges to journalists. So if your lead paragraph is sloppy, then they might not make it to the news. If, if, if you're, uh, if you speak, have typos or you know don't know how to spell its possessive versus its uh, with an apostrophe that that doesn't look good and it's really significant issues so and you got to look at what I look at the Globe Mail and the National Post and the Toronto this Montreal that Vancouver this uh, dailies and all that to see how they're writing to see if they use uppercase lowercase on their headlines to see how they queue up a quote I think it's it's not rocket science, right? If you study and read the news enough, you'll figure out what 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 is the style of a of a news article. Of course, Andrea, we're not talking about you know uh, guest columns or opinion pieces here. We're calling about we're talking mm-hmm. about the news section. There's a simple way that is adhered to, so it, we would be remiss and foolish not to follow CP style. So what I'm what I'm encouraged to hear is that you you use CP style, but for the students to understand that. What you're saying is you want to match what the journalists expect so that if they do want to grab that copy and use it because they're busy and they sometimes have to use the release or, you know, they don't have to rework it so much. Like it fits seamlessly into their own style, which 
as you said, it, it prevents a, another barrier. Yeah, you want to make it simple, but but also there's something that I I think we've grown accustomed to is, you know, Canadians trust journal Canadians and other people who have the world who understand what a free free press is, um, recognize good journalism, and and so what I mean is even if my press release doesn't get published anywhere, but it ends up on the newsroom, if I've written it in CP style, it becomes more digestible. And uh, it, it was received better by the reader, the end consumer, perhaps, um, even if it's on my newsroom. So if I if I push if I put on my press release a bunch of registered trademarks because I'm using Oreo cookies, uh, or, or, or if I if I use uppercase everywhere and I, I want to write Lego but I put L L E G O all uppercase, the reality is is that it starts creating the the notion that this is an ad. Or this isn't this ain't journalism. There's a gut. Mm. This isn't journalism. The reality is, is that people recognize good journalism even if they're reading your newsroom. So give them a properly written and styled um, document press release that then they can say, well, that was an unbiased take on this product's launch, but they actually read it written by Danny Torkia, not by the editor in chief of Canadian Press, but they don't even know the difference. That's the beauty of a good press release is that it's it's digestible and people receive it well as if it's the fact, which it should be, obviously. We're not talking here. We're talking moral moral writing and ethical writing, which is fact-based writing. Thank you for that. And, you know, it like you said, it builds confidence in people. When they read that, they feel that it is a legit story, not an right. advertisement. And that's, I think, a really important point. Yeah. Um, Next question, how do you distribute releases? Do you stick to the newswires or do you, do you use other channels? Well, we, we, we put up a picture of, a, of, a, of the old equalizer or, or, you know, when you put your radio, you have a volume dial. Um, we say um, every release gets a, a specific dial, you know, number on the volume dial. So if it's really, really big news that we think is quite newsworthy, we'll give it a 10 or a 9 on the dial, which would mean... You know, wire use, photo, of course, a photo always. We try to put a photo always. It would go to an expansive, large list that would include community papers, newsrooms, radio newsrooms, you know, bloggers, podcasters, like a lot of hundreds of journalists. And then, you know, um, social media, uh, maybe an email blast to your consumers. So it's maybe even institutional ads, um, uh, you know, a video that's 10 on the dial for us, maybe a press conference or a webinar. You could see that's a lot of big news. But but the smaller ones, um, we don't discount them. We, we care about them. And for those, we would put it on the dial, like uh, sometimes you could say a six or a two. But for us, the lowest dial, to be honest, Andrew, Andrea, the lowest uh, dial or distribution would be the newsroom and trade media and local media. So you'd be surprised, even the the, the, the very low level news like, for example, we just hired three managers. We, we, we just wrote a release for a client that said, we just hired three managers. Well, it got picked up in the trades. It, got, it, it should get picked up in the local community near that company where they're based. And, and it's good content for their newsroom. And then it gets repurposed on their LinkedIn and another. So, you know, normally someone would say, I hired three people. Why would I, commu- why would I issue a press release for that? Well, we, we, we encourage them to. and It always pays off. That's great to hear. Yeah, that some news is big news and there are channels for that. And some news is very localized and relevant to a smaller audience. And there is an approach for that too. So, you know, important for, I think, students and new new professionals to realize that there are degrees. 
Um, depressed releases need to be text-based. You talked about the use of images but and, and video. So what, what other options are there? Well, we're a purist in that standpoint that we, we think the press release, there's, it, it, it's, um, it has to be written. Uh, it has to be uh, succinct, short. It has to have uh, resources like a quote, like arguments, facts, the media contact, the boilerplate, the headline, the lead. Probably said it all right there. Uh, but but we, we have a policy, a little uh, a heuristic or, or a standard that says never um, issue a press release without rich media. So usually the default is a photo. Now it's just our rule. There's always an exception to the rule. Um, so sometimes it could happen that there's no photo. Well, okay, so be it. But uh, our general rule is never issue a release without rich media. Um, but that, 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 so text-based is an essential element. And that, and that makes sense. And that's why the students have to be writing and using CP style. Um, yeah, there is one, your... one little thing I want to say. I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. to interrupt. Just no, that we, okay. do, we do like issuing a photo release. Sometimes we'll just do a photo release, which we like because mm -hmm. it keeps it brief. Uh, it's just a photo with a caption. And the caption could be 50 words. You'll remember that was the old limit from Canada Newswire back in the day. Now it might be, who knows? Uh, but that, that's the only exception. And of course, there's media advisories and there's other things, a statement. But in principle, a press release has text. So in your experience, what missteps do PR people typically do to limit the effectiveness of their releases? I think we've said a few of the things. You know, mm -hmm. uh, going away from CP style, um, I got one of some of the pet peeves I have is, you know, when you say, um, now I'm going really into the granular, so bear with me. It's almost humor. Funny. That's okay. Um, but you know, a company, irrespective of its name is, is a singular entity. So I get, I find it awful when you say, you know, friends of Simon Wiesenthal center, that's an, that's a client of ours in the old day, friends of Simon Wiesenthal center for Holocaust studies. Um, launch today. Well, why launch? It, it, they're not a plural thing. Mm -hmm. it, it, they're, they're not really the friends of. It's actually an incorporated in entity. So it should be singular. Mm -hmm. Launches, announces, uh, mm -hmm. uh, confirms. That's a small little pet peeve I see. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, that's it. the same thing with um, the uppercase, the lowercase, veering away from CP style. Um, you'll see this a lot, sadly. Um, Outside of the outside of the quote, you you can't you have to stay at the third person. You know, an objective you know our article written like if you're the journalist. So when we see the break of that, and it's like you know our company believes or um, we at so and so uh, are, are proud to launch this, and it, the moment that kind of language is outside of a quote, to me it's like taking fingers you know nails and going on a chalkboard. And I think it's the same thing with a journalist. Um, and, and so when you stick to CP, you're in good uh, hands. Now, so other mistakes I would say is, you know, managing client expectations. Uh, we can't let the client think that their press release will automatically garner coverage. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think there's a lot of um, uh, gr growth that we need to do to make sure the client understands that you don't do something only if it's a means to an end. What about making that something an end in and of itself? In this mm -hmm. case, the press release. So if you, if you or your students see that they're in a culture where the press release is only good 
because it yields coverage, positive coverage, that is a red, red alarm. So, sometimes you got to tell the client, no, you're doing this because it's a good thing, because it positions you, even if you don't get coverage, it positions your company as transparent, a leader, um, bold. And you know what? Plain old, simple, neighborly. Mm -hmm. Don't you want to be neighborly? Probably saying that to a client, they actually uh, buy the, the Kool-Aid. They drink the Kool-Aid. That makes sense. Yeah, if we are going to build trust, if organizations are going to build uh, transparency, as you said, uh, they need to be releasing these statements on a regular basis. And if we go back to PESO, that owned component is crucial. Okay. So, um, so that's really great feedback. Okay, to wrap up, um, what advice would you give to students and new grads in terms of developing their press release writing skills? What can they do to be better? Well, I have to tell you, I really um, recommend, first of all, studying and studying, studying. So Humber is up there. Uh, I, I read a lot James Grinig, and I appreciate the writings of James Grinig. Uh, I, I also like reading the CPRS, but I'm a part of CPRS, Canadian Public Relations Society, mm -hmm. and also the Institute for Public Relations, IPR, very good mm -hmm. places. So keep learning about the broader field or profession of public relations. Mm -hmm. Number two is, I would say, um, find the real solid reporters or, or, or news uh, papers or news sites that or journalists that you like that write well and analyze how they're writing um but most importantly buy the the uh, cp style book buy the cp style book find it uh consult it sometimes schools offer it um and and it's usually i, I think 40 dollars 30 dollars you know mm -hmm. it's well well worth the investment and 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 i don't need to use that use it that much anymore but I, there was a time when i would look at it for every single release and I, and it's, it's paid off. I know a good, you know, a, you can tell a good student is the one that's got all the little tabs in it and the highlights and they're, you know, they really are using it as a resource. And, and I have colleagues that uh, certainly push for that to happen, you know, get that, yeah. get that uh, CP style book in their hands. So thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the press release. It sounds like the press release is not dead. Uh, so PR students keep on writing. Thank yes. you, Danny. <laughs> well, good encouragement, Andrea. And thanks for this. Great, great fun. Well, thank you to Danny Torquia for joining us today on PR Delivered. PR Delivered is available on Spotify and Google and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to reach me, Andrea Tabchar, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you to Ryan Garbett for music and production.